Blog Talk Radio. Brothers and sisters, fellow entrepreneurs around the globe, it is 0600 hours Eastern, or Romeo for you nautical types, and if you don't know what that means, that means that uh, those of us who spend our lives at sea mark the globe up with different time zones, and so instead of saying minus one, minus two, we say Romeo, Tango, Sierra, etc. So it's also 1000 hours in Greenwich, or better known as Zulu. Hey, this is Rudder Radio, your guide to thrive in any economy. And I'm William Eastman, Managing Partner for Applied Knowledge Labs North America. We are a business research company that is changing the formula of success for companies from zero to $50 million in revenue. And I'm going to be your host for the next 30 minutes. And today's show is kind of a summation of what we've been doing over the last four, taking the category, one of the four major categories, of running any company, and that is market intelligence, understanding what's happening in your marketplace and reacting to it. We have discussed three best practices, competitive landscape, product and knowledge, and targeted industries. And then we looked at the attributes, the actual behaviors that the best of the best did. And today's show is going to be pulling that together to say, so what after four and a half years of application in the field, living with our clients, what have we learned? But before I do that, we've got the normal administrivia that comes with any show. So if you want to join us, you have some options. One is you can click chat now at our show page, which is blogtalkradio.com slash the rudder, T-H-E hyphen R-U-T-T-E-R, and you'll see chat now right in front of you. You can dial in, and today is a great day to join us in conversation uh, at 347-215-7471. That's 347-215-7471. You have Twitter as your option. Of course, I refuse to call these tweets since I'm not a bird. They're twits because... If you've read all the comments you're receiving, there are some twits out there. But if you want to hit me by uh, coming over from Twitter, uh, W. Eastman, W-E-A-S-T-M-A-N, and uh, that screen is currently open. And, of course, there's always the ubiquitous blog, the rudder. And you can get to it by also on the show page. There's a link. Just click. Or you can Google it, the rudder blog. Uh, And rudder is spelled R-U-T-T-E-R. And it is not the rudder of a ship, though that is where the term comes from. Rudder, R-U-T-T-R, is a derivative of a either French or Dutch word. I will accept the French version of Ruter. And it, what it was was the secret charts of a pilot. And as I've talked about it in a couple of shows, what that means is that in the old days, in the days of Henry the Navigator, as we go back to the, I believe, the 15th century, uh, late 15th century, early 16th century, is that uh, charts of the world's oceans, especially of the hazardous spots, were not universal. 
and that a ship a pilot was somebody that you would hire like uh, when uh, Hudson River in New York City was discovered Heinrich Hudson um, was the pilot on the boat and you had your secret charts that nobody else had access to and as long as you had those then you were employed and what we are offering you is kind of the secret charts of fast growth so that's what we got going on now today's show today's show is going to be more freewheeling than the others and then the reason for that is I typically in a 30-minute show have an hour's worth of information that I could easily uh, expound upon but what I do is I try to cut it short I try to be direct and focused so that those of you either who are listening to this you can take notes jot some things down to yourself or go to the blog site and get a copy of it and work from it well today and we're going to do this four times in the series today is going to be one of those all right so what what do we learned about this and what does it all mean so this is six this is show six in a series of 43 and it's the last one on market intelligence uh, tomorrow then we pick up the next category which is branded strategy uh, which uh, then we'll get into that whole category and, the sh and this show number if you want to backtrack and you want to download it is 616-221 all right so now what have we learned as we talked about market intelligence is nothing more than trying to get a handle on both what is happening relative to your business and what will happen in the immediate future um, I would say to you that about a one-year time horizon is the best you can do just take a look at the state of the American economy and listen to economists talk about it and hell they half the time they can't even get what's happening right I'm talking about what's happening now so the ability to, to be prescient or predict the future is pretty slim but if you're running a business you've got to at least begin to ask yourself those questions to say where what's happening and where are we going and I use the analogy a lot and I probably overuse it but I love it is that this is an attempt to compete in advance if I have a sense for where the things are going then I can I can play the great Gretzky Wayne Gretzky the great hockey player is that Gretzky's great strength was he would go to where the puck would be how did he know that because he could look at how the defense was playing and Gretzky knew where the shot was and his teammates were smart enough as they looked around to say the shot is the, the shot if there's going to be a shot on goal it's going to be made from the point or it's going to be made from center ice or wherever and so they knew that Gretzky was that good that all they had to do was put the puck where the shot should be and somehow Gretzky was going to be there so it was some collaboration but the idea is simply is that as you look at what's going on in the marketplace where's the shot and then what you need to do is you need to skate there and if you get there before anybody else the odds are that you're going to get the first shot on goal and that's what a market intelligence is it's trying to determine where the shot should be taken and we talked about that we had competitive landscape which was taking the research that you had collected and creating a mosaic a picture of what's going on and you do that by taking a look at the market uh, what's happening in the general economy uh, how are your customers responding how are your competitors responding what is the impact on their value chain in terms of your customers customers your customer suppliers and the idea is there's no magic to it it's one of those that is very intuitive once you collected the data is you simply post it and look at it and go what am I looking at and I will guarantee you that if you haven't done this drill um, what you're looking at will become quickly apparent if you if you know your business you know your industry it won't take you very long to go aha and the aha will be both to explain what is happening but also aha going 
ooh, I either see a huge threat that somehow we've got to mitigate or I see a huge opportunity coming. Um, and I'm taking these out of the order that we've done. Them. And then the third one that we did, which was yesterday, and these are not in any order, but just the way we did it, is we have targeted industries. Because from that, we've got this process of saying from what is potential, what I look at the entire universe out there. When I first start in business, you know, basically every company, let's say if uh, I am located in the greater Richmond area where this office is located at, uh, then every business in greater Richmond, greater Richmond is a potential customer. Well, at some point, I've got to begin to narrow that down. And so in marketing terms, you have the total available market, and then you say to yourself, okay, now, what slices can I take from that? And that gets you what we call TAM to SAM. And TAM is total available, total available market. SAM is specific, uh, specified available market. In other words, you said, here's what we're going to go for. Targeted industries to say, okay, now what industries are the best match for our offer or what industries are here in my particular area? In our case, our strategy is as we look at North America, both Canada and the United States, is that we don't have targeted industries until we make a decision of what region to go to. So, for example, when we opened in Calgary, uh, you, you basically you're in only a couple businesses in Calgary. One is you're in energy and all the support industries. And then the other one is commercial real estate. And the reason for that is that there's such a boom going on in Calgary, or all of Alberta, but we were headquartered in Calgary, is that you've got all this uh, commercial real estate, people trying to put offices in, and uh, the, uh, the occupancy rate was 97, 98%. So those two industries made sense to us. Now when we go to Las Vegas, guess what? Do you think we're in the energy industry? Of course not. We're in gaming, and we're in the businesses that are associated with gaming. So those are now the targeted industries. When we went to Kansas City, and open an office in Kansas City, we got a totally different mix than when we came to Richmond. So you, there's many ways of doing the targeted industries, but you have to say, okay, given that, which industries we're going to target? And in some cases, like our products, which I'll talk about on our break, are non-industry specific. Our targeted industries are based upon where is the growth? Where are the most companies with the most growth in our available area? Uh, other companies out there, some of you have, will we sell to specific companies? And so it doesn't matter how you get to the industries, how do you get there? Then the third thing is, is what we call product to knowledge. And what that really means is that if you are currently in business, then what are you learning from how the customers consume and apply your products and services. Because if you are in a B2B exchange, if you are selling to other companies, the essence of that is you must be impacting their competitive advantage in some form or fashion. If you sell to consumers, then you're either meeting needs if you're selling a commodity. My guess is that most small businesses are not in the commodity business because that's about low price and high volume. So if you're selling to customers, you're selling something that is specific to what we would call a life, life, uh, lifestyle uh, sale. So something about their lifestyle is what you're selling to. But I'm going to stick with the B2B because I think that's, a, for our purposes, a little easier conversation to have. And that is, how do I affect the competitive advantage of my customers? And if my customers sell to other people, how do, I, how do they affect the competitive advantage 
of their customers. And it's from understanding how the, the product is bought or service is bought, consumed, and what impact it has on the company, it tells me where, where I am on this particular product. It tells me where I am on the service. It tells me how well it does or how well it doesn't do. And so that's how these three go together. And each one of these three best practices had four attributes apiece. Now, by the way, there is no magic to um, we each one have four. As a matter of fact, targeted industries actually had seven attributes up until just recently. And after doing some statistical work, um, we looked at how we were bundling and we said, you know, three of these attributes really don't fit here. They fit someplace else. So we're constantly upgrading our database. We're constantly upgrading our model. And so in this particular case, we're talking about 16 attributes, four sets of behaviors for best practice. But don't think that that's the paradigm. It's all uh, about fours. So now here's what we've learned. Four and a half years of doing this, we uh, went live with our first product, our alpha product, in early 2005. And then we uh, built the beta product, uh, the product that we currently use in 2006, and went live with that. Here's what we've learned, and that is there are five attributes, five of these, five of the 16, that companies seem to be universally poor at. And they make sense, but I want to talk about being universally poor. So the five are, from competitive landscape, is making the rules and research driven are the two. From product to knowledge, it's client development or business development, either word will work, and market research. And then from targeted industries, it's understanding trends. These are the ones that, no matter what companies we've dealt with, have scored lower than some baseline or standard. Now, how does that work together? Well, it's easy to kind of see this, so let me work backwards. What is really the objective here? Well, if you take those five, the objective is making the rules. That is really what you want to achieve with your business. Now, let me talk about making the rules. And that is the definition that we use for this is given only two choices in the marketplace, copy or lead, the leaders force their competitors to copy. In other words, there is something distinctive, and typically it's not one, it's all. There's something distinctive about the product that you sell. There's something distinctive about the service that you sell. There's something distinctive about the experience that you wrap around that. And so, again, in most small companies, companies under $50 million, we, don't, we, haven't, had, we, don't, we haven't had the time and the money and the product research to produce a usually a revolutionary product or service that knocks the customer off their feet, but we have a unique way of doing business that when you take the product and service that we sell and then the experience of buying it, using it, and being supported is something about the entire experience that makes us unique because what we want to do is that once a client does business with us, we have done business in a way, if they, if, if they, whether they've been in the industry for a period of time or not. Once they do business with us, they go, now that's the way it should be done. And therefore, when their competitors, when your competitors come to them for business, what do you want them to do? You want them to compare this total offer to your total offer. 
And I can tell you right now, in my experience of years working at this uh, on the customer service side, is that you can have a product or service that I'm not going to say is markedly inferior, but let's just say that if theirs is a little bit better than yours, but you bundle it in an incredible experience, you'll hold the business. But the, what the customer takes into mind is the entire experience, and the cost of switching to them uh, could be so high that they just say, you know what, that stuff over there may be a little bit better or a little bit better priced, but the reality is I actually like doing business with these guys more. So the, the real deal here is setting the rules that the competition plays by. And the way that you do that is as you begin to sell and service accounts, you give them experience that they go, that's what i got to have. i got to have more of that. And when your competitors come in and try to sell against you, they find that they're up against a brick wall. And so it's really around who is making the rules in the marketplace. And you can do that, and you, can, and you don't have to have the best products to do it. Okay, let me take a break here. So as we're talking about this drill down on what we've learned over the last uh, four and a half years, my God, it seems in one way it seems like forever, and the other way it seems like it was yesterday. It's hard to, sometimes it's hard to tell which it is. All right, so uh, let me talk a little bit about us at Pipe Knowledge Labs, and I think making the rules is a good place to go because this is certainly one of the things that we're trying to do. But what, what do we do as a company? Well. I say business research, and I, you know, my, my colleagues, uh, my partners, and some marketing professionals I work with caution me on that because they say, well, you know, entrepreneurs and small business people have this bias against uh, academicians, which, by the way, I'm not. I, I can operate in that world freely because of the nature of our business. I have to. But I'm on my fifth startup. I've been in business for myself now for 22, yep, 20, almost 22 years. It'll be 22 years in September. And so... Uh, I, this is not my first rodeo, but when I say business research company, let me let me deal with this uh, very simply. Is that one of the things that's that has been in my mind for a long time is the the fact that the people who can afford the consulting advice to grow their companies um, are not necessarily the people that need it, and the people that need it don't know what to buy and can't afford it if they knew. And so what we said to ourselves is how do we how do we change the mathematics of that? How do we change the formula? How do we make the products and services um, that business entrepreneurs should own? How do we, number one, get convince them that they ought to own it? And number two, how do we price it in a way that they can get it? And so what we did is we said, why don't we kind of turn ourselves into a research firm? But a research firm that operates in the following principle, and that is view us like a refinery. Uh, a refinery doesn't find the oil for the most part. Some do, some don't. But they take oil as crude. They buy it from somebody, they bring it in. And the problem with crude is it's a great resource, except you can't use it. And what, what a refinery does, it takes crude, and then it produces numerous types of fuels depending upon who they're selling to. They produce kerosene, which predominantly goes to the, to the airline industry. Uh, they produce diesel, which predominantly goes to commercial trucking. They produce gasoline that predominantly goes to consumers. And so right there, what they do is that they take a product that has lots of potential, 
but can't be used in its current form and turns it into something that people can, can use and derive value from. That's what we are. We are our information refinery. Yes, we do our own research. We do our own exploration and our own digging for oil. But we, what we really are good at is we look at what's called the meta research. We're meta researchers. We look at what's happening in the market. We're connected with the Bureau of Labor Statistics. We're connected with a number of private foundations, entrepreneurial research foundations. We are hooked into a number of universities. I read, I can't tell you how many different research projects and papers I read every year, all related to one topic. What are the characteristics of fast growth for small business? That's all we do. That's all I do. And then the idea becomes, okay, that's information that you as the business owner should have, but how do you get it? And so we've designed a, a couple products. There are not many. There is an assessment product, and then there's a set of survey products. The sole goal around that is, one, is to give you the most accurate snapshot we can of your company today so that you can make a decision of what obstacles to remove and what opportunities to accelerate. That is the essence of what our company is. We're data atheists in that we don't care what the data says. You don't have to defend yourselves with us. We simply say, here it is, and the goal is, based upon that, what are you going to do next as a company? So that's what we do. And so if you're interested in any of that and you want to find out where your company is, you want to find out what your company's readiness of growth uh, for growth is, the way you can get a hold of me is a couple. One is you can send me an email at eastman at aklabs.org. That's A-K-L-A-B-S dot O-R-G. Or you can call us on our Skype hotline, that is manned uh, almost 24 hours a day, a day at 804-471-1660. That's 804-471-1660. Okay, so making the rules. That's what you're looking to do. That's what we're about. All right, so if you're making the rules, then how do you, how do, you do that? Okay, well, the behaviors. A couple things. One is, on the one hand, you've got to understand what the trends in the marketplace are. What are those trends that are occurring that tell you where the puck should be next? Also, it's the issue of, of client development or business development is that what is your process of once you make that initial contact, how are you managing the relationship? Now, you can say that that is separate from sales. You can say that's the same as sales. I, it doesn't matter to me. I look at client development as once we've got them in, now, and they've made a purchase, how do we develop the relationship over time? I don't include the sales process in there because we have a thing we call funnel management that looks at that. But you know what? It doesn't matter. You could say it encompasses the whole thing. But how do we develop that relationship with the customer over time? How do we take them through our level of products and services, if you have those, or how do I grow with the account? How do I either get more and more of the market share of their business? And so if, if they've got a budget of X for a particular item that, which we sell, do we have 100% of that budget? And if they're giving any of that money to anybody else, then why aren't we getting all of it? Because what most companies know if they are involved in product and service quality is the fewer suppliers, the fewer vendors, the better. And so the goal is, and we'll talk about this when we get into the, the third category around operations, is you want better suppliers and you want fewer of them. 
and there's just a host of reasons for that. So how do we do that? And so that is part of the client development process. Well, what do you need? What do you need to pull that off? So we're, this whole thing starts with, one, is that you conduct ongoing market research, as we talked about. Now, you've got, you got, you could do market studies yearly. You have an executive advisory group or council that should be meeting quarterly. And you also have the issue of buying some sort of online research service that monthly or weekly or bi-monthly gives you the latest data about uh, your local market and the industries you're competing in. Those are all the things that you need to do. But you also, on the other side of that, is that you need to be, let's just be honest, as the owner and entrepreneur of the business, you can't be scoffing at this stuff. If you're kind of like, oh, my gut's just fine, I, I, I don't need that research, you know, get a grip. Look, you're trying to win. You're trying to win a battle out there against all these other companies. And as we did in the earlier shows, we said that it probably at a minimum, only one of a thousand companies position themselves to be the fast growth, the big dog of their industry. Um, and so if you say to yourself, nah, I don't need any research. I can just kind of gut this out. Um, you know, I'm just going to tell you right now, you've just self-selected yourself out of that one, uh, that one of the 1,000. You have got to do everything you can to have as much knowledge as you can, to get as smart as you can, because every one of us is challenged. There's not a single one of us running a company today that has got all the talent and skills required to take that company big. None of us do. And so you don't need to be adding any self-imposed restrictions. All right. So universally, well, those are the five. It's a fact of life. After doing research, we've, we've, now, we've now done studies in four different regions of North America, one in Canada, three in the U.S. There, there is nothing in common with those industries at all. The, 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 our targeted industries are, are very, very varied. And so what conclusions can we draw from that? Well, no business starts off with adequate research. No business, no startup company in the United States and Canada that we have looked at small businesses starts with enough. Now, think about why that's true. Uh, and I'm, I'm not necessarily going to try to change it, but think, that what, think about why that's true. Is number, number one is you've got competing responses. You figure out what you've got to do from stage one to stage two is that you've got to get a team of people together to get a product and service out the door that is about 80% good enough to get it tested in the marketplace because if you take any longer uh, or build any better, all it's going to do is burn your cash. So you've got so many things you're trying to do in the startup phase. Doing adequate research is an issue. Number one is, number two is your lack of knowledge. Unless you come from the industry, you don't even know what the hell to ask. And so you need to be into it before you kind of go, oh, man, here's some of the things that I wouldn't even have asked if I had the time and money to do so. And then the third issue is the lack of resources. You have the lack of people. You have the time. You have the money. But really, there's a lack of you. And so those are the three reasons why it happens. Where does it manifest itself? Where do you see? Well, if you're in stage two, which is cash is king, sell, 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 you're in stage two, and you're getting no traction whatsoever in sales, that's what's going on. And that's what we see is that this ramp-up time, this time to this first, this first growth spurt is taking forever because in stage two, you're trying to prove the business idea and stay in, long, stay in business long enough in order to do that. And what you're finding is it's taking too long to make the sale or the sale is too expensive because of time drives the cost of sales up or you find that the purchases are too small. 
but they're not buying the unit sizes or the amount that you thought they would buy. And you're also finding you can't sell it additives. You've got to do too much customization. So that's one place you can say to yourself, you know, we didn't do adequate research because um, typically it is you've got three problems. You've sold the wrong thing to the wrong people with the wrong message. So it is, your, is it the offer? who you sell it to, or what your messaging is. Those, those are really the three issues. Well, if you haven't done, been able to do adequate research, which most, almost all startup companies haven't done, then think about it. You're not going to get those right, and you're constantly adjusting. Number two is quick terminations. In other words, um, you should have a, at least if nothing else they don't rebuy, you should have a life cycle of X amount of time. And what's happening is, is your product and services are thicking or you're, you have to spend too much support time and money to get it supported. And then number three, you're finding that, in fact, there's no upsell. You thought that once you're in, then you'll be able to sell more and get all of the budget that they spend on products and services that relate to you. And the answer is, no, you don't. You don't get those. And so those are the three conditions that you can see. Now, what's the fix? What do you do about that? Okay. One is, you go, well, but the, the fix is you go after collaborative development. And so what do you do? You offer a reduced price if the customer will help you beta. In other words, bring them in and say, hey, we're working on this new. I want to do this with you. Number two is that you scale off of their expertise and their infrastructure and use them to develop a product or service that fits them as well as working on the experience. And then based upon that, then what you can do is you can go in and you can find other accounts just like them. So that is the basis of what we've learned, the deficit in market research. You never can do enough. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, this is uh, show 616221. And tomorrow we're going to take the next category, brand and strategy. So have a great day, wealth and prosperity to all.